703. I'll call to order the Franklin School Committee meeting. Meetings are recorded by Franklin TV and shown on Comcast Channel 9 and Verizon Channel 29, as well as recorded by Franklin Matters. All right, um, I'm going to begin with, we have uh, three pledged students from Jefferson Elementary. Uh, ben Hester, Elsa Schoolhouse, and Emily Rosa. Uh, if I could, if I can embarrass you to come up to the mic, all three of you. And uh, so Ben is a fifth grader in Ms. Cowett's class. His favorite subjects are writing and recess. In addition to playing football at recess, Ben enjoys playing and watching basketball and hockey in his free time. Unsurprisingly, Ben's favorite sports teams are the Celtics and the Bruins. Aside from school and sports, Ben likes playing outside with his friends and his dog, Blue. Ben says the best thing about Jefferson is that everyone is nice and that he will miss the teachers when he moves on to middle school next year. Elsa joined the Jefferson School community this fall after living in North Carolina for seven years. She is in Miss Sharple's fifth grade class and one of her favorite things about Jefferson is that the students are nice. Outside of school, Elsa enjoys dance, playing with friends, and spending time with her cousins. One of Elsa's goal in the year ahead is to improve her reading. Being new to Massachusetts, Elsa is also excited to see more than one inch of snow per year. <laughs> Make sure that happens this year for you. We are thankful that Elsa and her family are part of the Jefferson School community. Emily has gone to Jefferson her entire school career and is now in fifth grade in Mrs. with Mrs. Doherty. Emily currently plays on two soccer teams, Franklin Soccer Club and Town Travel. Emily practices playing soccer often, even playing one versus one with friends to get better and prepare for games. Her efforts paid off this year when she moved from the B to the A team. In school, Emily enjoys writing because she likes to type on the computer. One of Emily's goals is to improve her handwriting, especially when writing letters to people. Emily describes herself as a huge animal lover, despite being allergic to fur. Luckily, she has a hypoallergenic cat named Oreo, who she loves. Emily says her favorite thing about Jefferson are the teachers and the material they get to work with. I want to welcome you all very much. Everyone all rise. She starts off with the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you very much. And uh, now it's customary, we'll pause for a moment of silence. Thank you very much. Let's turn on me right now. If you want to take off, please feel free to do so. All right. Um, Start with routine business, review of agenda. Agenda looks good. All right, uh, payment of bills is in order. Uh, payroll? In order. All right. Uh, and our FHS student representative. Hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Sid, and I'm the class of 2024 vice president. Um, I'll give you a few updates about what's going on at the high school in the past few weeks. Um, some homeschool news Panther Pride Night is going to be hosted on February 12th. Um, and this is a time where eighth graders can come to our high school 
learn about all the amazing clubs and sports that the high school offers, and also get, maybe get a tour while they're there. Um, the FHS has a jazz concert um, with their jazz bands on January 29th at 7 p.m. in the FHS Auditorium. I know I'll be there for that. Um, semester, semester two has just started for the kids at Franklin High. Some of them, you know, taking on their new classes this semester. Um, but yeah, we just begun our last new semester yesterday. Um, looking forward to next year, course selection has become for ninth graders and it'll come soon for the 10th and 11th graders in the coming weeks and they'll choose their courses for next year. Uh, Best Buddies is running a food drive with the Franklin Food Pantry. There's a donation box right outside the main office and it'll be available till January 30th. And Spanish NHS is now offering tutoring for anybody struggling with Spanish. Um, in the Spanish classes, they can go to Spanish NHS and they'll offer a tutor for that. In terms of sports, uh, girls and boys basketball taking on Mansfield right now with the boys at home and girls away. We wish them good luck. Um, it was a big few few days for our track teams. Last week, um, the girls and boys team secured a fifth and final dual meet win over Alibro, um, both now Kelly Rex champs, and that's the first time the boys have ever been Kelly Rex champs. Um, Sarah Dumas was named the Hawkmoth Player of the Week just today. Um, and she had some great performances last week in a dual meet and over the past weekend at the D1 State Relay meet where the girls actually were co-champions of that meet with Newton North, so a great accomplishment for them. Um, and girls and boys hockey, although they suffered losses over the weekend, they'll be back on Wednesday with the boys playing Albro and the girls playing Norwood. In terms of class of 2024, uh, students can order their graduation caps and gowns now. Um, senior banquet is on April 5th, and all students should have received invites for the all-night party by now. As for the class of 2025, their prom is May 3rd, um, 2024, and the prom theme is luxury. All right. Thank you very much. Um, open the floor to uh, any questions or comments. Questions? Outside. All right. Hey, thank you very much. Thank you. We move on to uh, superintendent's report. Okay. Good evening, folks. Um, thank you first uh, for everyone's flexibility, adaptability, living in New England and, and with the challenging weather we've had. I uh, just wanted to put a, put a shout out to families and students for uh, working through that and arriving to school when we have it. I just wanted to take a moment to let everyone know it's not in my report, I'm kind of ad libbing at this point, but um, as we continue to face the winter, uh, I think we're in, in the thick but it should continue for a while. And I just wanted to put out there that, you know, we'll continue to consult uh, with DPW to look at roads, to look at uh, the, how fast we can clean up our parking lots. But if we believe it's safe to travel uh, to school from your driveway to school, we will have to we'll do that on time. If a delay is uh, necessary, we will call delays um, where it's appropriate. And if we can't have school because we cannot clean the lots or clear the lots, we'll certainly cancel. So uh, that can be found online. We have the inclement weather report, but um, I did receive a few inquiries about just um, how decisions are made. Um, and one of the things that we really think about is, is the lot clear, are our cars able to be dropping off and buses able to travel and park. So I put that out there to everyone, just knowing where we're at in the winter season. Um, second uh, note I have, you may have noticed uh, a few articles that have been put out by John Guilfoyle, our PR firm that we use highlighting different parts of our program. We'll continue to continue to build out that catalog. The first three articles focused on um, athletics, our theater program, and DECA. Um, we're joined by um, our DECA 
advisors today. Uh, and we'll continue uh, to look at various aspects of Franklin Public Schools at different levels and different areas of interest for our students and student life. So I just would put that out there. Those articles can also be found on the website under um, in, in the archive for the superintendent. But we'll continue to showcase and spotlight and spread the wealth and get information out about uh, the programs and the way uh, we're educating kids, but also providing opportunity. So wanted to put that out there and, and share that. The next one is a newcomer update. I just wanted to give you an update. I haven't provided one in a few meetings. Um, but we have currently um, 69 students are currently enrolled in our schools across levels. Um, and it ranges from uh, approximately 12 at the high school, 14 at the middle, uh, 15 at the middle, and uh, a little over 40 at the elementary level. Uh, just to add to that, our Interfaith Council is providing after-school tutoring um, for, for, for some of our students. The multilingual, uh, multilingual language department is in the process of evaluating the curriculum resources we use for all of our students. Um, we also uh, were able to purchase a digital literacy tool to help support classroom instruction. And we were awarded a $30,000 grant um, through uh, 344 grant to support supplemental curriculum, which is where you see the digital tool um, purchased and for uh, direct student support and engagement. And uh, English is also being taught to adults through the library uh, at the hotel. So I wanted to just share an update on kind of what's happening in that area. And that concludes my report for this evening. Thank you very much. And uh, you know, just open the floor uh, to any questions or comments. Okay. Thank you very much. So uh, we'll move uh, right along. We got uh, guest presentations, uh, Jefferson Elementary. So we are fortunate to be joined today by our principal, Stephanie Rusick, and our assistant principal, Ms. Murray. Uh, they're here to highlight, as you know, um, this is part of a series of highlighting schools. We're excited to have Jefferson here with us today. And without stealing any thunder, I'm going to kick it right over to Stephanie to begin the highlights. So thank you for being here. We're excited to hear about it. Thank you for having us. I am just going um, to, should I be turning this you let it warm up? Okay. Warming up. Okay. All right. Um, so while it's warming up, I'm Stephanie Wasik, um, Principal at Jefferson Elementary, and Beth Murray, Assistant Principal at Jefferson. Um, Perfect timing. Um, so if you're familiar with this slide, obviously tonight's highlight presentation is just an opportunity um, for us to share about Jefferson and the work that's being done every day. Um, they, it, we will be sharing work that's connected to the school improvement plan. We promise to be brief and, and work within our 10 to 12 minute um, allotment and obviously welcome questions. To kick us off, um, we thought it would be important to share our mission statement. So Jefferson Elementary School is an inclusive learning environment dedicated to high standards in teaching and learning for all students. We support students in their pursuit of academic and social success. We inspire lifelong learning and develop responsible, self-confident students capable of effective communication and problem solving. Through a collaboration of staff, families, students, and the community, we foster a safe and respectful learning environment, embracing creativity and individuality. Um, and through this mission statement, we embody the following core values um, that you'll see upcoming, how we embody them throughout our days at Jefferson. Um, but it's to be safe. We nurture a positive and safe learning environment based on student needs. 
be respectful. We recognize the value and strengths of each person that each person brings to our community. Inclusive, we welcome everyone because we all belong to our school community. Creative, we are resourceful thinkers who work together to solve problems. And invested, we actively participate in our learning by being focused and involved. So as promised, the work that we're going to share tonight is um, connected to our school improvement plan that we have linked here, but I know you're all very familiar with. Um, but we also want to focus tonight on our first strategic objective, which is to affirm um, the, uh, I'm sorry, first strategic objective um, focused on the social emotional well-being of students and staff um, to help students feel connected, um, support positive behaviors, um, increase their academic achievement. Um, so obviously standard one is focused on that and then also standard five um, which is focused on affirming um, students diversity and equity and inclusion for all students so those are sort of the, the two um, areas that we're focusing on and sharing about tonight um, and last year this started with us last year we presented on wellness Wednesdays which a couple of you are familiar with but we do have the a little video linked here um, for new school committee members if you wanted to take a peek at at one of the initiatives we started last year. Um, but in a nutshell, um, Wellness Wednesdays were a time that we um, honored our goal of not just promoting students' well-being, but also staff well-being and modeling healthy living for students. Um, staff were invited every Wednesday to wear athletic clothing um, and comfortable clothing, and they're encouraged just to find, to dedicate some time during the school day to um, their own physical and mental health and well-being. Um, that includes physical activity, um, also art and music opportunities, time to just like play games and connect with one another. Um, and again, um, it's focused on, on the quote from Brad Johnson that if you take care of your staff, um, you take care of students, that a culture of care and support and appreciation and encouragement is a culture where everyone can thrive. So again, if you'd like to check out a quick video um, from last year, that's included. Um, but this year we wanted to take and, and grow that, grow the practices that were already happening at Jefferson and, and what we deemed kind of growing the good. And um, we thought this is a, a nice embodiment um, in thinking about goals one and five and the social emotional well-being of staff and students, um, as well as that sense of belonging. We really want to make sure that um, we have make that concerted effort to growing the good and focusing on that and taking things that are already happening um, and just wanting this sense of community to be felt throughout the school in every you know, corner of our school and by every member of our school committee, um, community rather. So this is a bulletin board that actually one of our lovely activity monitors created at the start of the school um, that we just feel exemplifies how we want all of the members of our school community to feel um, welcomed and valued. So in thinking about Wellness Wednesdays, this year one of our um, new initiatives is to do Walking Wednesdays. Um, and so on Wednesdays, we have issued an open invitations to students in grades three to five just to walk during recess if they'd like to. So it's an open invitation. Mrs. Murray and I come out in our sneakers and just sort of like, who wants to walk? Um, and it's just a chance to share ideas with students, to hear about their perspectives, hear about their day. Um, sometimes they just connect with each other while they're walking and we get you know, a little insight into what they're chatting about. Um, but again, a, a Brad Johnson quote, um, just thinking about relationships before rigor and grace before grades and patience before programs and love before lessons. So again, just a chance for students to see Mrs. Murray and I as people and people who are trusted adults they can talk to, but also for us to hear just what the kids are chatting about or things they're doing in class. So that's one thing that we've 
done in Jefferson, and I think would love to grow that um, to include K through two as well. And one of the other things that we have been growing this year is our core values, and not just having them posted, but really um, focusing on all of the good that the kids are doing on a daily basis. Um, so you'll see up on the screen that there's a positive card, play on words. Um, and basically we shared this exactly with the kids. How can you earn this positive card from a grown up? You would go above and beyond exuding these core values, one of the core values. Um, and when a student gets a positive card from a teacher, uh, the student brings it down to the office and we all come out, the secretary, myself, uh, Mrs. Wasik, um, and we all celebrate the student and they um, pop it in a positive box. Um, and then on Fridays, we draw cards out of the positive box um, and kids are rewarded through the vending machine, which you will see coming up. And the idea is to just have a universal, school-wide, um, positive behavior um, system where we're really focusing on um, being explicit with what we expect from kids and then um, commending them for it. So really growing that good. Um, so that's the positive card. Um, and then can you press the switch? <laughs> and then, in that positive card, uh, a big shout out to our literacy specialist um, who has um, spearheaded a book vending machine that has landed in our front lobby. Um, and the book vending machine was funded through our PCC and through class gifts, um, is fully stocked all the time. And students access the book vending machine when they have a birthday or um, if their name is drawn out of the positive card. Uh, we keep track of all students that get books to make sure that it's equitable. Um, and it's just, it's a great way to promote literacy, but also promote community. Um, there was a student that um, earned a positive card and wanted to give a book to a friend that had walked by the book vending machine, and he knew that the friend really wanted the book. Um, so they're having conversations about books, but they're also um, building their community too um, through these good choices. Um, and it's just an engaging way of really getting kids excited about reading too. Um, so a huge shout out to our literacy specialist and uh, Jenny Callahan and our PCC um, for spearheading this great little addition to a Je Jefferson. And her name is Wendy Wendy. <laughs> um, we also are celebrating practices um, in addition to work by our literacy specialist um, and a huge thanks um, to the work done by our math specialist, Mrs. Helbig. We're engaging in SD math challenges this year. Um, SD math, as I'm sure some of you have heard, um, is spatial temporal math and it's a grant funded visual program that targets students' spatial temporal reasoning ability to solve mathematical problems. So if there's very little language, if at all, um, it really relies on students' um, spatial temporal um, knowledge and skills. 
And so to encourage that work, and again, just sort of celebrate that work happening, we have different math challenges. So we have math challenges at the whole school level, and then at the classroom level, and then individual level. So whole school, um, we have challenges and incentives that include a visual display of puzzle goal progress for the entire school right as you enter. Um, and then there are puzzle challenges um, for extra recess. There's a snowball challenge. Um, you can see pictured here is the puzzle challenge. So that's at the whole school level. And then drilling down at the classroom level, there we have progress tracking. Um, posters hung up around for decade milestones. Um, and then finally at the individual, oh sorry, in classroom celebrations. And then finally at the individual level, um, students are setting their own goals and tracking their own progress. So just another example of how we're trying to grow that good and celebrate the work that's happening um, in literacy and in math. This year, after COVID, we have, last year, sorry, we were doing um, virtual school assemblies. And this year, um, now that it is safe, we've um, transferred over to in-person assemblies. Um, last year, we focused on our core values and again, being really explicit with those core values. And this year, we have turned over ownership um, to school assemblies to grade levels so that different grade levels can plan relevant ideas that are important to kids. Um, and largely they're based on theme. For example, in November we did thankfulness um, and we just, our past January one was um, New Year resolutions and focusing on one word. Um, and then February we have one that's coming up that's focusing on kindness and we're partnering with the food pantry um, and doing tons of kindness. Um, and raising um, food and weighing it and tying it curricularly to math. Um, and students come dressed in their spirit way wear for Jefferson. Um, and it's just a really nice way to um, promote student agency and voice and leadership um, through these student-led assemblies that are driven by themselves. And like Ms. Sari said, I think that, you know, again, amplifying student voices and their own leadership, and also, again, connected back to their sense of belonging, that really, you know, this is their school community as well. So this is a great, you know, celebration every month that we're really happy to, to um, certainly return to in-person and in, in South um, So that ends our sort of highlight of the school year, and obviously we thank you for the chance to share that work. Um, and just welcome any questions you might have. Thank you both very much. <clears throat> Start down this end, if there's any questions, comments? Um, I don't have any questions, just uh, love the Wellness Wednesdays and uh, you know the focus there on modeling for the students, you know, taking time for yourself and, and the community that that builds. It's wonderful. Yeah, I'll, I'll echo that again. You know, I think that's really a fantastic approach um, in making sure that we're looking at uh, you know, the educators and that they're well supported. Um, have you done anything looking into either ways to continue to build on that or what the impacts have been like getting any feedback from some of the educators? Yeah, great question. Actually, if you take a peek at that little video, it's it's teacher voice. So it's teachers' reflections. Um, they were given some time um, around this time last year when we presented. Um, just to share their perspective. So anecdotally, you know, teachers also share it's a nice time to connect with each other. I think that when you, you know, walk through the doors and you know that not only do you work alongside colleagues and, you know, do you tackle 
you know, curricular issues and, and just kind of, um, you know, how do we best support students? I think when you also are working alongside people who see you as an individual and know what's going on, you know, know to ask, like, how did, you know, how did that recital go? Or, um, you know, what's happening with such and such? So um, anecdotally, teachers will share, you know, that sense of connectedness is, is nice. Um, and just as needs to support one another. Um, we also get feedback. Um, thinking about, we didn't mention this, but thinking about UDL, we also recognize that not everyone feels um, taken care of in the same way. So we tend to try to offer, you know, uh, maybe the last 10 minutes of a staff meeting could be, you know, go for a walk outside, could be head to the music room, Mr. Barrett's going to do a 10 minute, you know, ukulele lesson, um, heading to the gym, um, Moonball is a big hit. Sometimes it's connecting on, you know, um, favorite quick weeknight recipes. So we also recognize, um, and based on feedback from staff, like different ways of connecting with each other. Well, that sounds great, and also the responsiveness to that, I think really, it, it goes a long way. Um, so thank you for the efforts there. Thank you. Uh, thank you, it's always uh, definitely informative. Um, one thing that jumped out at me that I really loved was the um, grade level, hosted school meetings. So I think that's a really great way to have um, engagement, ownership, and just really have the kids be involved as you said. So um, great to hear, and, and glad to hear that some of that bringing back that was prior to pandemic. Um, so that's what really my question is going to. Um, now that we're a few more years post-pandemic, the height of pandemic anyway, um, how is this year feeling in comparison to the first few years out of pandemic and even to prior to pandemic? How do you feel things are going? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and I will share candidly, this is Mrs. Murray and I's second year at Jefferson. Um, so we were together at Davis there prior to um, prior to the pandemic. So I can sort of speak to bits and pieces. I can say things like this are feeling, um, you know, a nice sense of return to normalcy. Um, you know, that we are more able to get together in person, whether that's whole school assemblies or, you know, curriculum enrichment, certainly school events. Um, and I think those are, um, you know, ways that, back to that piece of belonging, I think those are ways that students really do feel a sense of connectedness and belonging, and, and I think families as well. That's another big piece, is it was really nice you know, last year and this year to be able to return to opening up doors and welcoming families into school. Um, you know, certainly not having had that for a couple of years. Um, it's nice when families get to come in and see artwork on the walls and see classrooms and um, so that's been a welcome return to normalcy. I also think kids feel adults' energy and adults feel safer and more settled. And so I think as the years continue on, we see kids feeling safer and more settled. Um, and again, like you see that through their positive um, choices and their interactions with each other. Um, so that's a big difference that I'm seeing, even between year one and year two. Yeah, no, that's definitely a great call in terms of the sensing how the, the adults are and it's kind of trickling down to the students and vice versa. So, uh, great, thank you. I'm hoping you know, we continue on this trajectory and it's a uh, thing of the past uh, in the near future. Thank you. 
Well, thank you both very much for this presentation. It's very evident just the, um, the positive school culture that you're being very intentional about creating here. You know, the you know, wellness and the, the walking Wednesdays, I think it's um, you know, wonderful not only to promote um, you know, just an active lifestyle, but also as, as you highlighted, um, really putting yourselves out there and making sure that the students are aware that you both are also accessible and, and there to talk to if need be. And I, lo I love the, the positive cards as well, I'm both to um, highlight and praise students who are really exemplifying the uh, values that you really want to have be core and foundational in terms of um, the student culture, but also encouraging their fellow students to, when they see someone who is exemplifying those values to, to call them out and to, and to show that, to want that. And I think that's also really valuable to instill um, in students that they should be encouraging those around them because that, of course, creates a very healthy and positive and vibrant school culture, which is beneficial for learning, but also all the um, staff and administrators as well. So, you know, thank you. I think that's great. And, and promoting the, the literacy to top it all off with the uh, with the, the book vetting machines. Uh, that's fantastic. So yeah, thank thank you for this. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, hi, I don't have a, a ton to to add to what everyone said. Um, kudos to Wells Wells Wednesdays to even recognize. Um, I bring up a lot that you know we're so hyper student focused. Of course, that's our purview. It's our job, um, but. Anyone in private industry or you know whatever kind of sector you're in, the biggest asset anyone has is the human capital. So if if retention and retaining teachers is the biggest thing, sort of just stressing our system right now. Um, administrators, thank you for being an administrator. I know that it's impossible to recruit admins right now. Um, if you know anyone who wants to be admins in middle school, I know that's a really hot, hot job. Um, but is. Uh, one thing I, I um, mentioned last last week, uh, two weeks ago, and I'll just reiterate it again because not everybody watches, so maybe sort of more from the public's sort of point of view, is I know a couple of years ago I remember specifically talking to teachers about one of the things that was cut was summer stipends where they got to come in for a couple of weeks and kind of flex their sort of creativity. And, and so it's it's above and beyond just salaries that, that matter to retain these, these educators. So. Um, Thank you for all of that, and uh, and you know anything that, that you want to do outside the box thinking that would help us retain and recruit. Um, I know we're having meetings on Friday to kind of you know we're creating sort of four budgets right now. Um, one if it's just like the two and a half increase, and one if it's level setting, one if it's like a little better than we've done, and then like one that would be healthy, which is like kind of a scary word for people to use, but I'd love a healthy budget. So please bring on your ideas. We appreciate our team, too. Thank you. Yeah, I hear great stories about Jefferson some uh, suits, and uh, really appreciate what you guys doing. And I saw what Dan said, I said in that. The cards, really efficient idea. Like uh, moving forward, you know, like every elementary school plays a crucial role in the student's life career. I think Jefferson is doing that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you once again. Uh, lovely hearing, uh, you know, the presentation, especially to just uh, pointing it to the school improvement plan as well. I know kind of coming off the heels of the superintendent evaluation meeting that we had uh, just a couple of weeks ago, you know, you constantly kind of, it's great when you see all the schools, you know, that, that alignment, 
uh, you know, towards uh, some of these, these bigger goals, all really kind of leading to, um, you know, the, the example that, that Lucas is kind of setting. So it's wonderful when it's kind of uh, coached, uh, couched that way. So thank you all for everything that you're doing. Um, great. <coughs> I appreciate it. Okay, thanks so much. Thank you. Someone should have mentioned how outstanding that literacy. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, so real quick, um, nobody uh, minds. We're just gonna uh, want to entertain a motion just to, to take the agenda out of order and uh, jump in to discussion item A, DECA um, International the Reoccurring Trip. Uh, I'll entertain a motion. So there a second? Second. Uh, any comments, questions? Seeing none, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? All right, thank you guys very much. Uh, so we'll get to the comprehensive facility assessment, but right now though, we'll, uh, if uh, we have DECA. Thank, thank you, I'll introduce you to come up. Just before I introduce DECA, I just wanted to thank Ms. Wasson and Ms. Mari as well for the work they did with and just say they made great connections with the staff and really have built a positive culture there, but they're equally, uh, make great connections with students and families. So just thank you for all your hard work. It was, it was really demonstrated. Thank you. Thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you for taking this out of order. We have our folks uh, from DECA, Ms. Emily Rosborough and Frank Wood are joining us as the DECA advisors. So thank you for uh, allowing them to come up tonight to share. So there's two things on the agenda. One is a state competition in Boston. That's a recurring vote. And if this was a committee that had existed, we could have done the national vote. It's an overnight trip, but it, you would have been voting on approving that. But given that we have new members and this is a trip um, there's two trips, so uh, I'll explain. But there's a California opportunity for nationals. It's internationals, but it's in California. And uh, we thought it made sense to just put this in front of you just for the opportunity to kind of hear about it and talk about it and allow you to ask questions so that there's more comfortability. Because um, ultimately, we're seeking approval for both. And I will kick it over to Emily. And uh, at this point, Emily, we're talking about the overnight international trip. Yeah. I would like you to still elaborate on Mansfield and uh, Boston, rather, and moving forward, okay? Sure. So our DECA team of 200 and about 15 students competed in Mansfield. About 100 of them have gone on to Boston, which we'll talk about, and then we're hoping that a large number of them move on to Anaheim, California, which is the international trip. So the international trip ICDC is the you know abbreviation for it is done every year but it moves. So it's Orlando, Anaheim, Nashville and Atlanta. So it has to come up every year kind of as a separate trip because it's new almost every year. So this year it is being held in Anaheim, California. It will be for one week. We are anticipating, I'm hoping around 50 students will be attending um, along with teachers as the chaperones will be attending as well. Um, it is very complex. I think you have my um, trip approval request form. I don't know if you were also included on the development conference packet that I sent over as well um, to Lucas. That should be on the back. So that has all of the information that we have so far for the international trip. There are definitely some blanks that we'll need to fill in as students do qualify through Boston for the international trip. 
um, but we do already have hotels secured. We're working on getting transportation secured, which would be airfare and transportation from the airport to the, the hotel and any transportation needed around the area in Anaheim um, that will be handled through um, AAA here and the DECA International Committee will help me with that as well. I'm also working with, um, we are also working with other schools in the area who are anticipating taking this trip as well, including KP and um, Rehoboth, and there's a few others that we're working with, to make sure that we're all aligned and we're all doing the same thing so that Massachusetts is, being, is together and figuring out all the transportation all at the same time. Um, the way that the international trip is set up, each state is put in a different hotel, so all of our students will be staying with other Massachusetts students, and it's all through Anaheim. And then um, everything should be in walking distance. Now I'm a little unclear about how Anaheim is built. I've only been there very quickly once. Um, so I am still working on if the students are able to walk from the hotel to the conference center. I assume they can, that's what I've been told, but I do wanna make sure that that is all set prior to us um, going through with the, the trip. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. It is. It starts April 26th, we would fly into Anaheim. Um, then we, there's a whole bunch of conferences that the students go through to work on their business skills and leadership skills. There's a leadership academy that students can attend. There are a couple of days where the students are allowed to do Disneyland or Universal Studios, and that is done with DECA. So all of DECA would go over to their like nighttime Disney um, day. And then it, through we fly back on the first after all the award ceremonies, which is laid out all you know all of the different um, events that students can take part in. There are scholarship opportunities, there's um, college opportunities, there's um, internship opportunities for both Anaheim and as Boston as well. Um, it's a really great trip for students who are looking to get into the field of business or even just be in a leadership position. I know there's a lot of students who may want to do business now as a sophomore or a junior, but may want to do something different, but any all of these leadership skills are applicable across the board to whatever career they choose. Um, but it just is an excellent opportunity that we're hoping to allow our students to continue to do year after year. Any questions? Thank you very much. You're welcome. Any questions from uh, the committee? What, what um, have you planned, planned any fundraisers yet? Yes. So we've done a few fundraisers already, um, anticipating now. This is my first year doing the, as an advisor in DECA. So I did start a little bit behind. So next year's fundraising will begin the end of this year. So this year we started in October. So we did a t-shirt fundraiser. Um, we collaborated with the theater department working on um, a Halloween thing. It was very, very tiny just because we were trying to get the ball rolling very quickly. We had a um, pumpkin carving contest. We're also selling chocolates and we just got um, winter beanies with Franklin on the, like, you know, on the um, front, so we're gonna be selling those as well. So we're trying to fundraise as much as possible to alleviate some of the costs on the students because I know that you know these trips can be very expensive. Yeah, we're happy to share those, like, you know, if you wanna email us, yeah. community relations too, so, you know. Perfect. Anything we can do to help the, the clubs. I appreciate it, thank you. Sure. 
We are also looking for corporate sponsorships. We do have a couple of students who have sent out some letters um, just as an idea. I'm not sure because I am sort of leaving it up to the students to try to figure out what, because I'm still trying to figure out which sponsorships we could get, which businesses might be willing to donate. Um, but I do have a letter ready to go that I could also send. Yeah, there's plenty of businesses in Franklin that look for tax breaks here and there from the council. So yeah, yeah this is what we hope that they would do. So. Great. Good luck. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much uh, for uh, for this information. I just love the the, the DECA um, program itself and all the students. Everything kind of comes out of it. It's just always amazing and exciting. Uh, so I'm looking forward to uh, seeing how many students qualify and how happens. I'm hoping it's a lot. It's wonderful. All right. So um, mm -hmm. then. I need to make a recommendation. I recommend approval of the request of Emily Rossborough and Frank Wood to take the DECA students to Anaheim, California from April 26, 2024 to May 1st, 2024 to participate in the DECA competition as detailed. All right. Uh, is there a motion? So moved. Is there a second? Second. All right. Uh, any questions, comments, discussion? Seeing none, motion will come on a vote. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? All right, motion carries. And thank you very much. Let's see if that was. Thank you. And what we'll do is um, I will let you know about the, the state approval. Do you want me to wait for the You don't have to wait. Okay. I think you, I think it's okay if you wanted to. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I do appreciate that. I think all right, so we'll jump back to guest presentations. Uh, Mr. Tier for uh, Comprehensive Facility Assessment. Great, thank you. I think there's a way to present from that link. Uh, I don't know how. So this just is a little easier. Let this warm up. So as you know, I can begin by just saying, as you know, uh, we have been in the process of a comprehensive facilities assessment update. Uh, we're providing a winter update now. I thought it made sense at this stage to provide some context to kind of what's happening, give uh, update you on the steps that have been taken, and then what still needs to be done between now and the end of the year. So it's a beautiful winter screen. <laughs> yes. So it's cold. That's my winter update. Um,
Good. That's good. That's a good sign, folks. We'll be back in business. Multi-factor authentication. Yeah. Security. Okay. So here we go. And we're in business. Thank you for your patience. Okay. Here we are. So where update. Um, just to give you a sense, history and context, right? We are um, Franklin Public Schools, as you know, and we aim to try to pro provide the, the best education we can for our students and look at the facilities we have to do that and make sure that we have not only the team, but the field and the conditions that allow us to support education in a way that the folks in Franklin expect. And our task this year is to build off of work that has been in process, and I have a timeline for you, over the past few years, which included as recent as last year when we did a redistricting analysis. Um, the task this year is to really look at the, the physical environment, but the programmatic environment, and look at um, how we're educating kids, and where we're educating kids, and what spaces, and what that looks like. Um, I will move to the next slide. So just to give you a little history, so we had a demographic uh, report done in 2019 by Jerry McKibben and Associates. He came, he presented, and talked through basically enrollment and population forecasting. And he did that in 2019, and he used the 2010 census data, and it was pre-pandemic. And then we had Kessel Booz do a facilities analysis report in the fall of 2020. Um, that led to recommendations and ultimately the um, closure of Davis Thayer in 2021. In 2022-23, we conducted a, a redistricting analysis to evaluate the distribution of students, look at our facility, and um, basically in that, in 2023, this past spring, the vote of the school committee was to keep the, the current boundaries as they exist and do a more comprehensive look at all schools and look at all, uh, look at how we're organized and look at the number of students we have in each school and our facilities in general. One thing that we knew um, when we did this redistricting analysis, uh, this, was, this is a snapshot from that document. Uh, it's linked in the presentation as well. But ultimately, um, what we knew was that we needed to do some master planning. Uh, we call it a comprehensive facilities assessment to not confuse it with master planning happening at the town level. But ultimately, we needed to look at this from a comprehensive view. So uh, continuing that work was really important. And one thing that we knew when we started to look at redistricting and we looked at the, the Kessel Boos report on facilities, one thing that was clear, and I took some screenshots to just kind of target pieces of it, what was that one thing like specialized programming and where they exist in each school and where that space exists um, was an area that wasn't accounted for in that initial assessment. So using that document as a foundational document um, is one piece, but we knew that we had to fill in some blanks and that's the task that we have before us this year, is how do we get all the information we need to provide uh, a comprehensive look at our schools and then provide some recommendations as we move forward. So there's basically, it's a three-legged stool, if you will, right? There's basically three components that we've, we are focusing on this year. The first is around population enrollment forecasting. So Jerry McKibben, who did the 2019 report that I referenced earlier, we called him up this fall. He conducted a, a, a new forecast, and what he did was he used the 2020 census data. So you do that every 10 years. So now he's using up-to-date census, uh, census data that's also post-pandemic. 
So it made sense on our end, if we're gonna be forecasting and ultimately looking at possible options and decisions down the road, we needed to make sure that we have the most accurate and up-to-date forecast that we possibly could for our community. So he, um, he presented, I have a slide just dedicated to population, so I'm gonna do an overview, zoom out, and then I'll hit on these each in more detail. The second was educational visioning and adequacy. You heard me reference earlier that when we look at the, the KBA report, there were pieces of it that we needed to fill in to make sure that we had a full understanding of the facilities, the space, the district, and adequacy. Um, this also includes visioning. What do we want for our, for our students? Um, what does that look like? Uh, how do we deliver the best education we can? Are we meeting the portrait of a graduate? These are all questions that uh, we plan to, to have a, an answer for all of you in our community as part of this analysis. The last piece was continuing the work of the assessment. What pieces do we need to fill in the blanks? Look at operational costs and, and maintenance and utilization. And, and ultimately that all feeds into, I put school master plan because that's what the company <laughs> calls it. Uh, we, uh, I wanted to just make that clear, but it's a comprehensive map that looks at our work. Are we delivering instruction in the buildings we have with the number of students we anticipate and the space we need to adequately do that? So those are all the big pieces. So when we think about population enrollment forecasts, I tried to break this down very simply. What have we done and what do we have next? So for example, in this one, we contracted with McKibben, I mentioned that. He put together a population forecast that looks at a variety of demographic factors. We then received the forecast. We, uh, it was a draft, we went back and forth on a couple of areas of clarification. We have since met with uh, Jerry McKibben to unpack the results. And the next step is he is scheduled to present a presentation and share his report findings with the Comprehensive Facilities Assessment Subcommittee. It's a public meeting. Uh, he will present that. I will record it on Zoom so we have that. But on February 7th at 5 p.m., he will be sharing his forecast. So just to give you a sense of when that's happening. We'll also be sharing this information with Frank Locker and Associates, who is the master planning company that we're using and cooperating and collaborating with to continue this work. This forecast is, is the three-legged stool. They look at all three legs. So they're gonna take that leg and include that information in, in the forecasting. We then will continue to do you know, a further comparative analysis of our current enrollment versus forecasted and, and just try to, to marry the two and make sure that we're on the same page and that will be part of a, a future report recommendation. The next slide. Visioning, so uh, there's a couple of pieces to this. There's a visioning uh, workshop that occurs, and one of it, uh, it involves stakeholders, and it involves different folks and representatives from our community, but ultimately we've been working with, they facilitate a visioning workshop and a portrait of a graduate application workshop. Because we've established the portrait of a graduate in Franklin, sometimes this company will do that work for you, but uh, redoing the portrait of a graduate felt like um, we could be utilizing our time differently. And where are we at? It's almost like we heard about UDL and differentiating. Our entry point in Franklin is, how do we now look at, okay, you've established this portrait of a graduate. How is it being applied? So you do basically an inventory of where are we seeing the portrait of a graduate lived and demonstrated within our educational program? And where are areas in which we could improve, and then they provide recommendations on that. That's one piece. The second piece is envisioning. 
there's a visioning where you have representatives from different stakeholders, from students to families to community to um, employees, staff, right, staff, admin, to, to do some visioning and they do uh, a comprehensive multi-day workshop where you bring um, representatives together to do some work. One thing they have had success with, and, and this company's working with everywhere from Vancouver to Ohio to Massachusetts and, and does does this for a living, um, and they recommended trying to have representatives for that stage so that you have a tighter group and work through. So if it's 30 members or something to that effect, working to, to extrapolate that out. The second part of the visioning is community forms. So students, staff, uh, parents, and providing some opportunity to say, okay, we met with a representative group. Now it's an opportunity to share out what became of that get more input, and it's the way, strategy that they use to, to cover as much ground as possible and get as many voices in a controlled way that's manageable and leads to a uh, productive time together. So um, I just spoke to Dr. Locker today, which is why I'm uh, getting into a little more detail than I prepared in the presentation, but basically that's the, the gist of the visioning and, and an adequacy. I wanna talk about adequacy. We conducted walkthroughs, so it ties in with facilities assessment, with uh, Locker and Associates, and uh, they have an educational architect that they work with, also works with Kessel Booz and Associates as well, to walk through our spaces, so every principal, a member of central office, uh, if, if possible, a member of the school committee, the subcommittee, and um, walked through each building to show the spaces to the architect and show where classes are being taught, where specialized programs live, where are rooms that aren't necessarily classroom size but are used for multi-purpose or, or something to that effect, to walk through. So that already occurred in the right when we got back from the new year um, after January 3rd was like the first walkthrough. So that occurred in that time to fill in the blanks on the facilities assessment. How do we take the foundational document and fill in the holes that we need? Um, we anticipate getting a report from the architect on that walkthrough and the results of that. And I'm anticipating March 6th, potentially. I didn't put it in here because the call, I took the call at five, five o'clock. But I would say to you that I think it's March 6th if the subcommittee meeting that night is what we've penciled in. I will let you know that date. That will also be a public meeting where I'm trying to stage out information, so forecast, focus of that meeting, let's get that down. Educational adequacy, let's do that. Visioning and portrait of a graduate application, let's have those occur with those community opportunities. And um, then, that's the facilities assessment, and then this ultimately leads to the master plan. So ultimately, how are we delivering instruction to meet the needs of our kids? How are we organized and distributing students and grade levels? And how are we um, looking at a facility and the utilization of it to meet the needs of our programming are really the goals of that work. Um, I pulled a few pieces just so people understood kind of the, the idea. This was from the original report and it talked about master planning, which is what we're doing. So this is um, a continuation of the analysis that occurred last year, ultimately, um, it's a recommendation that we continue to look at this in a, in a larger scope. So I'm just trying to anchor some of these ideas. 
The 10-year need um, was a focus of that recommendation in the, in the report that was done, but we recognized we needed more information in order to have that down and look more long range. And then um, finally, they did talk about how they would need, to, this was the, the report that they did, they basically acknowledged there was more information needed in order to have a full picture. Um, and then from our redistricting analysis, we've kind of broken down an idea of, of what this would look like. So in this year, it's about the comprehensive facilities assessment and visioning, it's what we're doing, looking at uh, recommendations for master planning, and then ultimately looking next year at different priorities. Whatever decisions are made, you need a year to organize yourself to get um, to determine what you're gonna do. And then ultimately a 10-year goal is, depending on what this report yields and what the recommendations are, if there's any long-term planning that needs to be considered based on the forecast enrollment, if we anticipate that numbers decline, but then they start to climb back up by 2032, what's our plan in 2032? And you don't wanna be thinking about that in 2031. So that's the idea of the long range planning. So um, that's a, just a brief overview, but it's an update on kind of where we're at and the direction that we're moving, and I'm happy to answer any questions. Wonderful, thank you so much. Uh, I know there's, there's a lot of moving pieces mm -hmm. uh, with this, and uh, that's why I, I really appreciate kind of like you putting together this presentation. Uh, I think it's you know really helpful just for the community at large, just to have an idea about all the, you know, the, process and all the steps that have been taken and the steps that have to be taken you know moving forward as well um, that said though I'll open the floor if there's any kind of questions comments I know you have any questions just real quick you said March 6th um, I, have that, I have I have that as a spitball number for joint budget subcommittee too yeah. You heard that? Is that, the, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I probably shouldn't have quoted a, a date, but I was, okay. I've you're right. I think, um, they're thinking that's the date. So okay, I think we'll, we'll definitely, that's a great consideration. We'll have to make adjustments based on what the. the yeah, we, we gotta be at that. <laughs> right, 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 we do. Um, so uh, we, will, we will get a date. I'm just looking to see where it fits, and I was trying to tie it to an existing subcommittee meeting that's dedicated to that work. So we, we yeah. can. We can make adjustments. And, and that's not concrete either. I yeah, I didn't have it in the slide deck, and, and like yeah. rule number one is don't go <laughs> off script, and I've done that twice today, so. Um, I don't think off script, so no. <laughs> um, and thank you for putting this together, because I was sort of one of the people that had, I'm not on facility subcommittee, mm -hmm. and I'm out there, and I'm, I'm chairing this override committee, so I get these talks about, we can't wait for a, a master facilities plan, because we're in dire need now, so. I think this really clarified like what our timeline is and that um, you know to, to kind of counter the narrative sometimes that the schools don't like to make big decisions this is like going to be a huge decision just like redistricting was last year and um, it sounds like it was wise to make sure that we do it right because it's not just an immediate mandate it's like a, a vision so you're being asked to do quite a bit <laughs> for our district so thank you. I know you're probably not like a facilities architect by trade, so. Um, I wanted to be. My guidance yeah. told me I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to cut so, it, so. Uh, <laughs> we want a 10-year vision, we want a bold forecast, <laughs> we want this more different budgets yeah. developed, we want a facilities master plan, so um, thank you. I know you're working main day. Uh, thank you very much um, for this update. Uh, I really appreciate just how, um, how well thought out the information that you're presenting to us is, but also that you have a roadmap for what to expect all over the next 
few months, but really mm -hmm. over the next few years. This is to say, you know, an enormous full undertaking, but also enormous, um, you know, just a very weighty um, subject matter and decision that needs to, um, you know, be be taken or or not taken, depending <coughs> on how the information bears out. So I think it's you know it's extremely important that we're taking our time to make sure that we make the most informed decision as we possibly can. I think you know you laid out beautifully that that's exactly what we're doing, uh, given the you know, tremendous implications that this would have on you know, the school budget, but also just for the town in general. Uh, it's extremely important to highlight that we are really delving into the weeds here with the demographic information, our, our visioning, as well as our facilities needs for and to put that all together. So we look forward to uh, you know, taking our time to um, you know, make this informed decision, but also an evaluate information as it comes out. So you know, thank you for laying it all out for us. And I have a, uh, a more detailed draft of those actual dates of the visioning day and the but we're still confirming some of those, so I will uh, be sharing that information as soon as some of those dates are confirmed and we have that picture, because I think that will add a little more detail to the timeline. Thank you. Uh, no questions, thank you. I appreciate the additional guidance um, and really laying all this out. Uh, there's a lot of layers that go into this, um, and I think you would be here a lot longer if you need to actually go through it all, um, but I do appreciate that you are making sure to communicate that. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a big lift, but I appreciate the work. And echo. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next meeting coming up on to get more data and see where we go from here. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, there's a, as you know in your packet, there's a draft of the school committee schedule that's proposed. Um, we're looking at uh, basically process being we show it tonight and then it would go to vote next meeting um, to, to approve the meeting um, agenda. But basically we stuck with uh, the meeting in July uh, as uh, that one meeting. And then we have two in August, two in September, October. We hit our election season. There's two, in December there's one meeting because that's typically a month where um, with the winter, uh, with the holidays um, that exist, where we do that. And then uh, you'll notice in February for the same reasons, you have that vacation week. There's only about five days in between the school committee meeting and then the vacation week and then to come back on that Tuesday. So for work, we did that, we're doing that this year as well. Um, and that's where you'll notice there's one meeting in February and then it goes back to two for the rest of the year. So happy to open it up to feedback, questions, concerns, and if I can't answer it now, I'll certainly get back to you. Uh, yeah, uh, just one comment. Um, so I know last year we had the elections on it and it was just because we had the town elections, mm -hmm. but given that we don't have town elections in 2024, I think we just leave that out so it's Less confusing. Yeah. yeah, but I think like when there is an election, it makes sense since there right. may be a change in the, the school committee. Right. Yeah. 
I, I'm trying to recall what we had, what we had the year, two years ago. Yeah, we it wasn't we, on there. No, it wasn't uh, there. All right. Yep. Thank you. That's good. Good catch. Cool. You can look at that. So this uh, is not us. Everyone here is still on the hook for a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, terrific. And then so, um, yeah, so it's great. We'll kind of get that feedback and we'll kind of have it come back uh, next meeting for a vote. So yes, if anyone has a question, you could also individually reach out to me um, if you have specific questions about this between now and the next meeting. Otherwise, we'll put it on the agenda for All right, thank you very much. So then uh, information matters. Uh, we have subcommittee reports, start, uh, superintendent evaluation, Enough is the point this time. All right. How about budget? Yes. Uh, budget met right before this meeting, um, where we discussed the FY25 budget development process, the numbers we're working with, and the um, needs that we anticipate, and kind of projecting out what the possible um, budget could look like. We're you know, going to be entering the budget development process and budget season over the next few weeks and months. So there'll be a um, number of different meetings to look forward to, one of which will be this Friday, which is going to be a budget workshop open to all school crew members. We'll be hearing about um, budget needs and, um, and other projections. And I believe um, next next month will be a uh, school committee meeting that will highlight um, some of the information that was shared both this evening and um, Friday as well. And then we'll be having our next budget meeting after that, I believe in March, but given that it'll be busy budget season with the hearings happening, we could possibly anticipate other ones as well. So stay tuned, plenty on that front. And then just to confirm, so right now, joint budget? Joint budget is not yet confirmed at this time, but it's anticipated to be early March. Okay, terrific. Thank you very much. Uh, policy? Policy, we have now met our first meeting is in February. Okay. Uh, community relations? Um, we have not met since our January meeting, so the next meeting will be on the 12th of February, and it'll be at FHS. All right. Uh, joint PCC. Yeah, uh, similar as well, uh, just not at FHS. <laughs> it'll be on two twelve. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, um, let's see. Uh, school wellness advisory. We go down this week. Okay. And then uh, mental health and well-being task force. Uh, we haven't met since last time either, but we'll be at the Pride. On the 12th. And then uh, DEI committee? We haven't met since the last meeting. Okay. And then uh, obviously, we all heard uh, from the uh, update, the winter update for the comprehensive facility assessment. And then, uh, so our next meeting, we have uh, February 7th. We'll hear about that from the McKibbins. All right. So we'll uh, consent agenda. I recommend approval of the minutes from the January 9th, 2024 school committee meeting as detailed. I recommend acceptance of a check for $560 from music parents for in-house enrichment for the music department as detailed. I recommend acceptance of a check for $43.80 from box stops for Jefferson field trip as detailed. I recommend approval of the request of Emily Rossborough to take DECA students to Boston, Massachusetts from March 7th 2024 to March 9th, 2024, to participate in the DECA competition as detailed. All right, is there a motion? So moved. Second? Second. Any discussions, questions? 
Hearing none. Uh, vote will come on the motion. All those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion passes. All right, uh, now moving on to citizens' comments. Are there any uh, citizens in the audience, in person or online, who would like to make a comment on an item not on tonight's agenda and falls within the committee's purview? All right, seeing none, uh, new business. Uh, as previously stated, you know we'll expect a budget teaser on February 13th. And then we mentioned Friday's workshop, but certainly that'll be a night where we have that on the agenda. There's also the vote for uh, calendar, uh, as we talked about before. So those are the two things. You'll also see a school calendar draft, I believe, um, at that meeting. Uh, we anticipate having it for uh, first review. Okay, fantastic. All right, and so um, without any further ado, unless there's any other questions or comments from the committee, I will entertain a motion to adjourn. So vote. All those in favor? Uh, uh, second. 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 <laughs> I feel like uh, Mr. Mercer over there, non-debatable. Uh, non uh, it is debatable if there's any questions or comments. <laughs> Seeing none, vote will come on the motion. All those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Opposed? Thanks, everybody. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.